Welcome to Get Wisdom with your hosts, Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Imagine if God was a co-host. What if the historically rare ability to converse with God and get profound answers to questions has been rediscovered? What would God say to today's troubled world? Get Wisdom will share those answers. Now, here is Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Get Wisdom. I'm Brian Kelly along with Get Wisdom founder and director, Carl Mollison. This week, we're going to look at Creator's discussion on hatred and power versus compassion and creativity. Basically, uh, the questions this week are, are lifted from the works of America's longshoreman philosopher, Eric Hoffer. Are you familiar with Eric Hoffer at all, Carl? Oh, yes. I remember him very distinctly, very vividly. I was very drawn to the man. I, I really liked him. And I know now, looking back and what I'm seeing with other people like him, and of course, with what we learned about his perspectives, you know, the guy was tapped in. He was getting divine support in what he did and what he said, and his ability to see the world the way that it was, in some respects at least, and others weren't seeing, and he was calling us out. He was raising an alarm about conflict and adversity and the different foibles and imprecision and downside and failings of people and helping us to understand it better. So I'm delighted to add creator's take on some of the precepts he came away promoting as an insight about humanity, because I think it's helpful to do this kind of discussion. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I came across Eric Hoffer because it was assigned to me as a, a required reading in college. And uh, I was just deeply impressed with the work. And then a few years later, I got his collective works of all of his writings. I, I went through and I took detailed notes on, on that particular book. And that's the genesis of today's show. So he's interesting because he was not he didn't have a college degree. He was a longshoreman. He was a, a blue-collar worker on the docks of San Francisco. And he wrote about philosophy in his spare time. And so I thought, you know, it's kind of unusual that his book was even assigned reading in college because it's extremely rare that a non-academic breaks through that ceiling of academia to become a, a text in a college setting. So he was remarkable in many, many ways. Well, you can't trust everyone in judging by their day job. I think that's one of the uh, one of the lessons. But it's also a hallmark of those who are truly in alignment with the divine and perhaps being used as a divine spokesperson, that somehow they rise to the top and get noticed in spite yes. of the odd fit. Indeed. You ask creator, this show's questions are inspired by the writings of America's longshoreman philosopher Eric Hoffer, whose book, The True Believer, is considered a literary classic. Hoffer wrote this intriguing passage on nature and compassion. Nature has no compassion. It is, in the words of William Blake, a creation that groans living on death where the fish and bird and beast and tree and metal and stone live by devouring. Nation accepts nature accepts no excuses and only puni- and the only punishment it knows is death. Wow. <laughs> what is creator's perspective? All right, and this is what I channeled from the creator of all it is. 
This is certainly a cold and somewhat harsh assessment of nature, but we understand where this comes from. To the casual observer, particularly one who has suffered and been witness to much human suffering, it is easy to extrapolate that expectation onto all of nature, and it certainly is the case. There is a hierarchy of relative power and individual autonomy in length of survival, given the many pressures on life forms who are competing with one another. And there are many predator-prey interactions that can seem quite grisly to the observer. So we acknowledge all of this as being true. But beauty, as always, is in the eye of the beholder, and we would only wish to temper that perspective to draw your attention to the great beauty inherent in nature and the existence of many quite gentle creatures who harm no one and nothing and only wish to survive and have their experience. What Hoffer is pointing to is a degradation, a corruption of the earth that has taken place subsequent to the creation. We made the world to be a beautiful and loving nest for the divine human to occupy and enjoy and to thrive in a glorious setting that would be endlessly fascinating and greatly rewarding as well with human being the top of the food chain, so to speak, and having dominion over all life on the planet. This is only fitting given the intention for humanity and its purpose to be a force for good, to heal the darkness and rebalance the entirety of the Milky Way galaxy, which contains not only the planet Earth and its solar system, but many, many star systems and worlds teeming with life of all kinds, all of which is at risk currently because evil is holding sway in your galaxy. So we would say, look beyond nature for the true cause. It is not nature itself. It is the negative karma of the interlopers present on the earth behind the scenes and controlling things who have brought evil to your planet. And with that, many, many degradative influences, including many, many life forms, from the microbial scale to the large carnivores. The world was not designed to have predators at all. Those predatory species were created as a karmic payback as an object lesson to the interlopers who have ravaged many worlds as predators to give them a karmic lesson about such activity and its consequences. The fact they have bested that negative influence is not surprising as they were superior beings in their creation as with human who has similarly found ready means especially through technology, to cope with predators in your midst. What the interlopers failed to see was the larger karmic lesson in all of that. Essentially, that a predatory lifestyle is not in divine alignment and will always have a negative consequence in the end. There is just so much that can be commented on here. We could probably spend the rest of the show just talking about this one channeling. And the question that spawned it. I mean, the idea that nature is, is hostile is certainly something that a lot of people would, would agree with by observation. And yet Creator is telling us here point blank that this world was not designed for predators, that they are introduction after the fact and by a negative set of extraterrestrials. That's news, Charles. It's news to a lot of people. <laughs> well, it's shocking news. It is startling news. 
and it it it, it would be probably of only a few who could just believe this on first hearing. It takes some time to adjust and some digestion and and a real openness to consider that that might be so. But if you think about it long enough, you will see it does make sense. If there is a loving God, I'm saying if, you know, a lot of people are not at all sure. Why would there be beasts running around the land that that can eat you, attack you and kill you, eat your young? And you see this in things like the neighborhood cat. Yeah. Who preys on little birds and this sort of thing uh, or will kill baby rabbits, you know, in in someone's backyard uh, and. And, you know, they're just a beloved pet, but they have that potential. They're a predator. And yeah. and so this is showing there's a dark potential in unbridled freedom. And there's a lot to be learned from that. Well, you know, I'm going to have to ask the question in the future. Uh, but I suspect that every world created initially was created to be a nest. Because creators is implying here that predators arose in response to the need for karma. In other yes. words, there was the... The, the fall of intelligent species, and then that, as an object lesson, karma ended up creating new species. But that just seems to be communicated that that comes later and not during the initial setting up of nests. So exactly. Speak. I'm sure there's lots we could learn about all this. Yes. Well, well, future episode in the offing. <laughs> U.S. creator Hoffer wrote the following. The resentment of the weak does not spring from any injustice done to them, but from their sense of impotence. They hate not wickedness, but weakness. When it is in their power to do so, the weak destroy weakness whenever they find it. Woe to the weak when they are preyed upon by the weak. The self-hatred of the weak is likewise an instance of their hatred of weakness. What is Creator's perspective? All right, these are Creator's words. This description contains truisms that are also recognized is a fundamental principle of human psychology in the form of projection, where one assumes one's enemy to be like the self and is hated for it. Because one sees the weakness in their opponent and fears and loathes their own weakness, that feeling of vulnerability creates great inner fear. They will not be successful. They will be shunned themselves and ultimately will fail because of that inner weakness. So what is described here of the weak seeking power over others who are weak is very much a base instinct for survival and a kind of desperation to gain something for themselves and seeing in the weak individuals around them a vulnerable victim and wanting them out of the picture because they represent an unpleasant reminder of their own failings. They may well do so with relish. We see that as depraved conduct because it is never in divine alignment to kill or to harm others and is certainly not excused if it is of benefit to the self. That is simply a further failing and adding greed, selfishness, and a lust for power onto the transgressions being committed that will always be redressed through the law of karma, returning to the perpetrator the harm they have caused others and it will be visited on them. The answer for weakness is not attacking it when it is discovered in others, but self-empowerment. 
And this can be achieved while raising up others who are weak. This is a basic irony about the workings of love in what seems at first blush a kind of weakness because one is admitting fondness and gentle and kind thoughts of attraction and acceptance for another, often accompanied by a willingness to give unreservedly and perhaps even put oneself in harm's way in service to the love object. For the psychopath who only lives through power and control over others, it is the height of folly to love and care about others. To judge others and to seek their harm is a major karmic mistake because it will always backfire and bring misery eventually when that negativity returns to the perpetrator. Finding a way to raise up the self with no harm to others brings with it great inner strength as well as a reawakening of an awareness of one's self-worth and value in existing in the first place. Many who are weak question their own existence and feel unworthy even to be alive because they are so constrained by their fears and oftentimes because of their surrender to their seeming plight, encourage others to look down on them and that can escalate to severe harm or even their elimination. Many acts of genocide grow from these kinds of perspectives and in the wrong hands can be devastating as a misguided solution to perceived inferiority by those with an intolerance for its very existence. And that is the ultimate example of what you relate here being described. Those who turn to genocide have a fatal weakness within themselves, an inability to love, to value and cherish life itself or see any worth in others in the same way. They only have the self and will doubt its own value because they have no means of appreciating their existence unless they have arranged a way to have some kind of power they feel will reflect positively on themselves to gain status and self-acceptance, if not ready acceptance by others, unless they are on the good side of the perpetrator and can seek shelter under their leadership. The fact that weakness may seek its own destruction is a powerful reason and incentive to use your soul journal journey wisely, to learn and grow and empower yourself to become ever stronger in seeking divine alignment and maintaining that. If you are in the flow of divine love, you can even become invulnerable. That is the true power of love, not a weakness, but a tremendous strength. The cardinal characteristic of the weak who see the weakness in others and are repulsed by it is that love is weak within them. That is why they cannot find more to like about themselves and fall into the trap of the perpetrator that somehow harming others who are also perceived as having similar failings can give them a seeming reward in the form of exercising that power and control. But it is a false god in a slippery slope to depravity that will harm them in the end. Well, we could go on about that answer as well, but we got one more. We got to try to sneak in before the break, Carl. Hoffer wrote, when we are conscious of our worthlessness, we naturally expect others to be finer and better than we are. 
If we then discover any similarity between them and us, we see it as irrefutable evidence of their worthlessness and inferiority. It is thus that some people that is it is thus that with some people familiarity breeds contempt. We've all heard that phrase. What is creator's perspective? All right, and creator tells us here we see a corollary to what we have discussed with you about the weak punishing the weak as an inherent destiny that becomes inevitable. Because the weak will see that ability to manipulate and harm others as perhaps the only path to greater strength within themselves, when in fact they are lowering themselves to an even greater degree than those they are judging as weak and deserving of mistreatment. So what Hoffer is describing here is simply one of the consequences and routine scenarios that will play out in a world of weaklings trying to cope and find something for themselves when they are largely disconnected from the flow of love. This is a strong characteristic within those who are disconnected from the flow of love. That is what brings about weakness to begin with. It is the inability to love oneself or love others that causes separation, inefficiency, inadequacies of all kinds, and failure to appear. That becomes self-reinforcing as a cycle of downward spiraling into worsening of the life and can become intolerable. While some people might turn to suicide if things get bad enough, others might choose perversely as a way of fighting back, striking out against those who seem like themselves, who they perhaps have looked to for support or guidance, but find them to have feet of clay when their weakness becomes apparent, and then the self-hatred will spill over into a desire to lash out at others who are weak and a disappointment. It is a desperate and completely misguided attempt to serve the self. Anything gained at the expense of others will be a pyrrhic victory because the spoils eventually will be taken away by the law of karma and then some. So it is a tragic and sometimes fatal error to harm others. Well, there's a lot of object lessons in both of these channeled answers. Um, the idea that the weak is really a symptom if you if you despise the weak and weakness in others it's really a symptom that you despise the weakness within yourself and that you're lacking love the ability to love not only others but yourself as well so it's a it's a double tragedy in a sense yeah well there's a lot of hypocrisy in today's world particularly in the public uh, arena the the talking heads spewing hatred all day long and fighting political opponents and so on and seeing them as inferior, seeing them as faulty, seeing them as, you know, almost demonic in the yeah. level to which they'll cast dispersions based on little uh, provable evidence, but just jumping to that conclusion. And it's because they, you know, they're prejudiced. They have a, a, a strong inner conviction. They know their opponent and they've already made that judgment. They're unworthy. And they go to town. And it's it's a spectacle. It's like a, a gladiator kind of sparring, you know, via the media. And it's very unseemly at a minimum. And at a maximum, it's it's really a diagnosis of a love deficit all the way around, unfortunately. Yes. And we've learned in previous channelings that when somebody has spiraled down to the fact that they can't feel love, they need probably the help of others to pray for them, for one. But two, this is where, you know, we're called get wisdom for a reason, that 
creators actually said that some of these people that have fallen so far will need their intellect to help them to turn around because they won't have the feeling base in order to do it on their own. So um, it's, a, it's a terrible tragedy to get embroiled in this. But this is what we're facing. This is what we're here to heal, Carl. Well, we're doing our best, but we need to awaken others and have people take some action. And we'll be talking about that as we go along. We will indeed when we come back with more Get Wisdom right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the second segment of this week's Get Wisdom. We're looking at creators' uh, revelations on hatred and power versus compassion and creativity based on questions that we pulled from the works of America's longshoreman philosopher, Eric Hoffer. And so far, it's been an ex- interesting exploration, Carl, I must say. Well, he clearly was insightful and I think divinely inspired. We didn't ask that specific question, but at all the earmarks are there. Someone really caring about truth and being dissatisfied with how things are going in the world and calling it out. And doing so in a way that's powerful and rings true. And that's what people saw in him. I'm, you know, it's clear. And, and Creator is validating that for us today. Absolutely. You asked Creator, Hoffer wrote, There are many who find a good alibi far more attractive than an achievement. For an achievement does not settle anything permanently. We still have to prove our worth anew each day. We have to prove we are as good today as we were yesterday. But when we have a valid alibi for not achieving anything, we are fixed, so to speak, for life. Moreover, when we have an alibi for not writing a book, painting a picture, and so on, we have an alibi for not writing the greatest book and not painting the greatest picture. Small wonder that the effort expended and the punishment endured in obtaining a good alibi often exceed the effort and grief requisite for the attainment of a most marked achievement. What is Creator's perspective? And, and before you answer, before you share Creator's perspective, you know, it, it 
The one thing that's impressed me about people that find alibis is they see that as a leveling, you know, that somehow they should still be on the same tier as somebody who's achieving things. I always found that ridiculous, but that's an observation I have on that. Well, that's what an alibi is for, you know. Yeah. I'm not at fault. I'm doing my thing. And, you know, I. but, you know, maybe not making as big a splash. But there's a reason, you know, I, I've got an alibi. A field leveler. <laughs> Playing field leveler. Yeah, it's, it's a, a kind of false self-enhancement, self-reassurance. And it works on the world because people buy it. Oh, yeah. You know, all the victimization and the victim groups and so on. So let, let's get into it. This is what Creator says about this issue of seeking or needing an alibi. This is a good illustration of the quandary experienced by those who experience weakness in themselves and great fear as a result. Those who find it difficult to compete and perhaps have tried but failed and given up through weakness may well go looking for excuses, and that is what an alibi can provide. Those who believe they are in a kind of victim class by virtue of race, economic stratum, poorly educated or by birth, arising in a poor underdeveloped country and thus lack a cosmopolitan sophistication, may well be trapped by their own perception of inadequacy and live the rest of their life as an underdog, as a weakling, and a perceived failure to themselves and others perhaps as well. Seeking an alibi is a common refuge for the weak who are unable to break free of their perceived stereotype. Such a fate might well be culturally imposed and is the case in many parts of the world where people are not truly free to make their own choices and to leave if they can develop aspirations and seeing better possibilities and acting boldly. The fact this is a human dilemma of major proportions exhibited by so very many downtrodden human beings is a testament to the success of forces of evil corrupting people to settle for less, to fear the worst, and to lack confidence in themselves to make things better. The very strategy of domination and subjugation depends on getting humans to fight with one another, join warring factions so they never agree, and will be at best in a kind of standoff where no one wins and all are losers. Winning out over a group holding different beliefs may seem rewarding on its surface, but in all likelihood will involve some kind of unfair manipulation, and that will undercut the advantage of the victor because there will be a karmic consequence demanding restitution. So the perceived advantage will not last all that long. Being a loser is not a reward either. Even though the victor through skullduggery might have a karmic comeuppance one day, being victimized through one's weakness and vulnerability is also a karmic misstep because your soul potential is greater than that. And if you allow it to happen, surrender to your state of weakness and fail to find a way to surmount it, you in effect are joining hands with the perpetrator who subjugates you. While the lesser of evils, it is not to your advantage to put your head on a chopping block if that doesn't have to happen. So you will see this idea of labels characterizing various victim groups 
grow in popularity as not just a pastime, but a political tool and an insidious one that works to keep people disempowered because people begin to believe in their alibi and that label of classification as a group treated historically in an unfair way will work generation after generation by descendants who may still be struggling, but in effect, choose to remain a victim because it is easier than working to become successful. Granted, that can be quite difficult, but we are talking here about taking the easy path so one does not have to be responsible and accept the blame for failure because they have an alibi and being a member of the downtrodden who deserves sympathy that becomes pity through the soft bigotry of low expectations and living through an alibi to cope becomes the norm and even expected because it is a kind of prejudice that is easily self-imposed as it is recognized and applied by others who after all can count themselves lucky and even feel superior if they are not a member of that lower stratum grouping they look down on. This is a prescription for a troubled world of divisiveness and misery that can easily lead to social unrest, high crime, and a decaying society. This is the end consequence in attempting to force an equity of outcomes in the false belief it will make everyone equal and experience fairness. When this drives people to give up because that is the easy path, eventually there will be diminishment of society itself and all will be living on the level of the lowest common denominator to be a self-selected failure with an alibi. This is about as spot on a commentary of our current modern situation, you know, globally, politically, socially, that I think you could come up with, Carl. <laughs> this is amazing, especially as the statement that was just said, the attempting to force an equity of outcomes in the false belief it will make everyone equal and experience fairness. Boom, right there. Well, this is the folly of socialism, and, and the creator has addressed it. We have talked about it. We haven't tried to beat the drum because we're not political, per se. We're not religious per se, but we're people too, and we see the troubles of the world. And here's someone living, what, 40 years ago, 50 years ago? Yeah, roughly, uh, yeah. Who um, reflected the, the difficulties of that era, and it's no different today. You know, the figures have, have shifted a little, and the faces have changed, and so on, but we're still fighting the old shibboleths of the past. You know, the race issue and the difficulty of different ethnic origins and different nations and the origin of immigrants and all of that. And it, it creates quite a dilemma, but for growth and love being put to work. So we're seeing that things are a bit rotten around the edges, if not to the <laughs> core. And, and creators acknowledging that. And the burden's on us to do something. Indeed. U.S. creator Hoffer wrote, There is perhaps no better way of measuring the natural endowment of a soul than by its ability to transmute dissatisfaction into a creative impulse. The genuine artist is as much dissatisfied as the revolutionary. Yet, how diametrically opposed are the products each distills from his dissatisfaction? What is creator's perspective? 
All right, these are creator's words. This is a big picture view of the overall issue of success versus failure, how it might be measured and what causes either outcome. The overcoming of challenges is tremendously satisfying to the spirit. You are learning how to do things the hard way in being incarnated on the earth, particularly at this point in time when the darkening is growing worse. The challenge is enormous, but not beyond your reach to overcome. That will bring tremendous rewards if you are successful. What you are distilling into the choices within your question, contrasting the artist with the revolutionary, is spot on with respect to what the potential outcomes will be for their respective futures if they're successful in achieving their goals. The artist is conducting divine business. Art is a creative endeavor because it is an aspect of the divine which is creative at its very core. The purpose of creation itself is to expand creativity in joyous ways and endlessly. Those who participate through the arts in whatever form are expressing their divinity at a high level. Regardless of their particular level of talent in doing that, they are nonetheless resonating with the love of Creator in wanting the world and the universe to be manifestly beautiful in all of its variations. Anyone who seeks to add to that and celebrate it is in divine alignment through the doing. The revolutionary is seeking to overturn present circumstances in a way they perceive as gaining them greater power. That is a slippery slope because the revolutionary is always seeking to take something from others to gain oneself. That can result in the righting of a very serious wrong, but it often leads to excess and is applied in ways that are inappropriate targeting inaccurately many innocents and often resulting in the exchange of one tyrant for another. Whether you have a king or tyrannical ruler who is simply a so-called strongman with a group of followers who control the guns and military power and make everyone else subservient, or you have a revolutionary overthrow through a war of propaganda, to influence the minds of the young to embrace a socialist perspective, glorifying the state through the power of the collective to bring equity and fairness to all, you will live to see that everyone has surrendered their own personal power to a faceless authoritarian monster, too big to kill or overthrow, because like a cancer, it has consumed everything. The fault here exhibited by the revolutionary is in thinking that power is its own reward and not appreciating power comes not only with heavy responsibilities, but with great risk to the integrity of the soul because it is so easily misapplied and usurped by others. It attracts the selfish who have an endless hunger within themselves for greater attainment and will be quite happy to take away what you have gained. And ultimately, this comes down to the old adage, those who live by the sword shall die by the sword. A truism every bit as meaningful in today's world as in the biblical era. 
those who pursue power for its own sake are serving their own destruction and arranging it in all they do. Well, you know, the little phrase that just jumped out at me was, the artist is conducting divine business. That that's a bumper sticker right there, Carl. <laughs> well, there are always exceptions to every rule. I can think of a few artistic endeavors that were rather unholy in their <laughs> in their makeup. But that just shows anything can be perverted if you work at it. Sure. And everyone's in a different state of enlightenment. And there are would-be artists who get corrupted. And so you see that in poor quality music and kind of empty so-called modern art that is very, very shallow. And it doesn't really deeply move people. And there's a reason why. It's not fully connecting to the divine in its creation. And that's, you know, that's the consequence of who's doing the work. But but the, the, the idea here is clear. I think it's interesting because if you think about it, creator kind of implies this, but maybe not saying explicitly, that the revolutionary is a taker and the artist is a giver. You know, and, and then even somebody creating an abomination in terms of modern art is still engaging in a creative process, a perverted one perhaps, but it's still a creative process. They're not they're not truly destroying something. It might inspire others to destroy, <laughs> you know. But in well, the act it serves as a counterpoint and another kind of yardstick, if you will. You know, if right. you you can judge the great work by the mediocre. So it's helpful to have a range of things on display. And many works of art are works in progress of their creator, their individual artistic uh, expression uh, being a work in progress. You know, people don't do their masterpiece right off the bat you know when you're finger painting in kindergarten you know you're not going to create a uh, you know picasso level or a da vinci level great work but you got to start somewhere and so those works in progress are mark marking the the journey of that artist and food for thought yeah yeah and the whole idea of the starving artist is one where Again, these are people that are not seen even at a societal level as seeking power, per se, you know. And uh, whereas the powerful, we don't really see them as, as, as artists. So there's quite the divide there. It's interesting exploration. It's one I, I find interesting to think about. Well, it's really true that those interested in power are disconnected from love, disconnected from divine alignment, and they will typically not appreciate works of art the way a more connected person will and they'll diminish it they'll they'll dismiss it they'll trivialize it and that is something you can see play out again and again and the kind of things they promote and back you know some of the organizations and so on so where quality is there is usually divinity involved somewhere by those who are taking part yes and it was said in a previous show that the, the psychopaths can mimic, and some of them are very, very skilled at mimicking, but they lack that creative connection. So they're, they're not able to create anything truly new. And I thought that was interesting as well. Be sure to check us out at GetWisdom.com. Sign up to for, be a participant member, and you can check out all kinds of content. Uh, 
hundreds of hours worth of all similar content than what you're getting in the show today. Check us out, GetWisdom.com. Sign up for the participant member. It's eternally free. And we'll be back with more Get Wisdom right after this. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the final segment of this week, Get Wisdom. We are looking at Creator's Perspective, really on the writings of Eric Hoffer. We, we have a title for the show, but we're really digging deep into um, some of the more interesting quotes that, that are lifted from his book, uh, The True Believer, and some of his other collected works. So if you're not familiar with Eric Hoffer, I recommend him personally to you know check out, check out uh, The True Believer especially. It's not necessarily an easy read, and it's not necessarily um, <clears throat> a feel-good read. <laughs> But in terms of shedding light on the problems of, of society, boy, it's spot on. Well, he was reacting to the turmoil of the 60s and 70s, as I recall. And and those were difficult times, but times are difficult now. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's timely, even if it's a little dated. Yes, yes. And he was seeing the workings of human psychology and a kind of dark influence that corrupts things. And that is what Creator is explaining, the why behind his observations that were quite accurate. Oh, yes. That there's a lot of problems in the world and how people treat one another and the institutions. And this people miss it. They, they have their heads in the sand. They're complacent. They think, well, there's nothing I can do anything about, so I'm not going to spend my time trying to hold them to account and keep track even of all the stuff that goes on. And and if you avoid TV, you'll you'll miss a lot because it, you know, there's no other way to be filled in until something happens. You know, the prices escalate in your local store and it might suddenly surprise you, but there's a whole backstory to it. So th- th- this is a way to learn more about how to be and how to make the most of it. That's really what we're after here. And get divine help. 
Yes, because we talk. We are about solutions, Carl. Like you, like you suggested, and uh, there are. If you don't, if you're not informed of what the problem is, you're not going to work on a solution. And we have solutions, so we invite everyone to partake. You know, slide on up to the to the speaker there and listen carefully. <laughs> U.S. creator Hoffer wrote: "It is clear that a society in the grip of fear is not free, no matter how numerous the freedoms its constitution guarantees." There are already many people in this country, America, who would surrender certain of their civil rights for a feeling of personal security. Boy, where have we heard that before? <laughs> I heard it last night in a cable program, actually. I was I think, shocked. <laughs> I think Franklin, I think he gets that from Franklin, too. Benjamin Franklin said something along those lines. It's, it's not a new statement, but it's, boy, no. it sure is timely. What is Creator's perspective? All right, and Creator tells us. What you are seeing in this description is Exhibit A in our thesis that your world is not natural or normal. It is not a human world. It is an extraterrestrial predator's nightmare creation, perverting the divine human to live in selfish ways, to pursue personal gain and power and control they can enjoy personally, even at the expense of others, and to not look back. The world as a whole is quite dysfunctional with governments in endless gridlock and those controlled by tyrants causing their citizens to flee if they can. But many live in fear and diminishment, feeling there is no hope and their helplessness cannot be surmounted. In actuality, to be happy, the divine human needs only love as a nourishment and a tool for living. You were created to live in harmony with nature and it is quite possible to do that with joy and satisfaction and inner peace. People have lived that way for thousands and thousands of years when left alone to figure things out and make their way through their own initiative because they do have the flow of divine love. It enabled them to work together, care for one another, and have deep love relationships that were satisfying completely and gave much joy along with the learning and growth from meeting the challenges of working to survive when nothing was handed to them but only created through their own ingenuity and initiative. That was the Garden of Eden in a nutshell. There is no actual need for technology. That is an extraterrestrial contamination of your world that is creating as many problems as it seems to solve or through creation of luxuries, greater efficiency, and entertainment. But still people are not happy, even with this largesse. That is because their soul is being starved of love. And that is a consequence of the corruption that keeps things off balance, creates many, many sources of difficulty, uncertainty, and fear. Because people cannot predict what might come next, there is an instability and a worsening they see in how people are treating one another and governments treating their citizenry. This is largely mind control manipulation at work to make everything big and scary and labeled with causes beyond human ability to influence for the most part. That is a perfect prescription for fear when people feel they are unable to predict or control their own destiny and are at the mercy of others or outside forces, whether nature or human-based. This is all ginned-up misery 
courtesy of the interlopers and does not have to be this way. Returning to the divine realm for assistance will bring the answers you need to overcome this travesty perpetrated all around you on a daily basis. So our world is not natural or normal. It is not a human world. It is an extraterrestrial predator's nightmare creation. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sometimes the things that creator says are just eye-opening in the extreme, but that that's an eye-opener right there. Well, creator's not mincing words today. This is true. We've, we've taken years to get to this level of revelation about it all. And that's because we're in charge, as crazy as that sounds. Most people are still in the dark. Yep. And they won't believe it if you tell them this because they've been corrupted with mind control to keep them complacent and to even deny the possibility there might be extraterrestrials here. And that's still a big influence on things. There's a few people who are willing to look at the evidence and they're open enough and uncorrupted enough to be curious. You know, why are there hundreds of thousands of strange aerial phenomena being seen still and have been all during their lifetime? Because everyone alive today has been exposed to that over and over and over. And yet many people say, ah, it's just nothing. It's just it's just some planet or it's some space junk or it's just some sort of weird coincidence, odd weather, you know, and. They're being manipulated to discount what their own eyes will see, if they can even bring themselves to look. Most of the time, they'll look away. So this is a secret that keeps itself. So letting the cat out of the bag today isn't going to do it. This is the problem. We need to get people awakened, and it needs divine intervention for that to happen. And we need more people asking. Yes, and we're going to get that in just a second. Um, You know, it's interesting that... um, it's really a two-pronged problem because not only is there the whole disclosure thing of getting people to wrap their heads around the fact that aliens exist, but we're taking it to the next level and saying they not only exist, but they're our problem. They're not our helpers. They're not here to, to get us out of this dilemma. They're causing this dilemma. Yeah, and that's a trap that's being set even as we speak. If they come out of the closet to help us, it'll be game over. We have to prepare and head that off before it's too late. Indeed. Hoffer wrote, the genuine creator creates something that has a life of its own, something that can exist and function without him. With the non-creative, it is the other way around. And whatever they do, they arrange things so that they themselves become indispensable. How can empowered prayer and the light worker healing protocol help to transform us into genuine creators rather than fearful controllers? All right, Creator tells us the answer in becoming a better person is getting divine assistance. Prayer can be quite helpful in opening the door to the divine and cultivating a true partnership that can help you all the way along during your life to make things better, easier, more effective, and more successful and rewarding. In addition to prayer, you can learn the Lightworker Healing Protocol because it is more powerful in applying a systematic process to teach you the ins and outs of living through a divine partnership and enlisting divine assistance in the most effective ways possible. First, in understanding what can go wrong, 
Second, in appreciating how the divine realm heals such things. And third, being given the specific instructions to clarify how to go about making high-level requests for divine assistance that can work and various strategies to greatly empower the reach of your requests to go far beyond what an individual has ever been able to accomplish in the entire history of the world. We are not looking for anyone to be a fallen hero. This is all doable, and it is safe to participate because you will only be conversing with the divine realm in the privacy of your own mind, and that will be hidden from view of the powers that be. But we will know and we will cherish you for all time in a special way for stepping up at this time of great challenge and difficulty for humanity to save and heal all in need. It is why you came down into this incarnation, whether you know it or not. There is no other reason to come to this place. It is a battle zone and its continued existence and indeed the lives of all human beings in the physical are hanging in the balance and their fate will be decided by you and the rest of humanity. You are now among the few who know the truth about what is taking place in the world, at least the broad outlines, and what is needed to change things for the better. This is the ultimate choice in this experiment, this bold undertaking as an experiment in free will. We cannot choose it for you, nor do it ourselves. We can only help if you invite us and do the work needed to make the invitation. It is all in your hands, and what you choose will be on record for all of time. So the answer is, is that we do have an answer to this dilemma, and it is the Lightworker Healing Protocol. Asking for divine intervention with a means by which that can be brought in in the most effective way possible. Because we have learned in this project that it's there's a lot of nuances in terms of asking and getting results, and we're here to provide those for you. Knowing how to go about things is key. That's what's been missing. There's been plenty of people suffering, plenty of people crying out to God, you know, come and help us, come and save us. Heal me, heal the world. But we, we weren't smart enough to know where the weakness lay, and it was with us. Yeah. <laughs> people didn't know. They didn't have the power to pray for the world and have that reach far enough to change everything at once. Yeah. It takes everybody praying. And the way to get beyond that, there is a workaround, and that is this Lightworker Healing Protocol. It brings in many empowerments, many kinds of leverage, so that a smaller number of people can have a big influence on things through applying divine wisdom. That only makes sense. When yes, you does. use divinity in partnership, you can do much more than the individual. That's Check the David and Goliath, uh, you know, scenario in a nutshell. Absolutely. Check it out at getwisdom.com slash LHP. We are out of time. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Be well. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week. 